Bibles tonight, if you would please, to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29. We're not quite to December yet, but we'll be there soon, won't we? For me, I, um, I begin to look ahead this time of year and begin to talk to God about the next year. Uh, as the pastor of the church, that's my responsibility as, uh, you know, a shepherd. It'd be good for a shepherd of sheep to know where he's going, <laughs> you know. And uh, I try not to decide where I'm going, but to hear, hear from God. And, uh, but that principle of uh, hearing from God and having fresh direction from God is applicable to every single person under the sound of my voice. Amen. And so had it on my heart tonight. Uh, seemed good to me to talk to us about the importance and the power of vision. The importance and the power of vision. Father, as we come to you tonight, you are the ultimate visionary. You are the God that declares the end from the beginning. You finished the work and then you began. <laughs> and Father, we are to model our lives after you. So, Father God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit to birth in this season as we prepare to finish 2023 strong in every area and move with great momentum and excitement and expectation into this next new year. That, Father God, that the people are hearing from you, uh, that you're leading them. We don't have to ask you to lead us. That's what you do. Praise God. But I thank you that we're responsive to your leading that the enemy's efforts to confuse uh, the direction that you would have us to go would fail. And that, Father God, that you will make smooth and straight paths for our feet. Use this teaching, this message tonight to motivate, further enlighten your people to the importance and the power of having vision. Let it be indelibly stamped upon their heart and help shape how they leave this year and enter the next one. Thank you for helping me deliver it. Thank you, Father, for helping them receive it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, in Proverbs chapter 29, it's one of my favorite verses. And often, it, you know, if people are going to talk about vision, it's a very popular verse to go to. And so we'll scroll down to the 18th verse, Proverbs 29, 18. I love this verse. You remember this verse, don't you? It says, where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. You all forgive me for I take a moment and uh, get rid of a mint I got in my mouth. Glory. Where there is no vision, what's going to happen? It says here, the people perish. Let me give uh, some phrases in some different translations so you'll get a better idea of what uh, the writer's talking about. Uh, the Amplified Bible says, where there is no redemptive revelation of God, people perish. Amen. It's, it's important that we have a revelation of the redemption we have in God. Amen. And, uh, you know, in the area of healing, if you don't understand, if you haven't got the revelation that healing's been provided, you could perish. You, you could perish, amen? If you don't have the redemptive revelation about prosperity and provision, you could, go, you could perish financially. So people need redemptive revelation of God. 
The Lexham English translation says, where there is no prophecy, the people cast off restraint. The people cast off restraint. And that's going to be very near to the Hebrew meaning of the word perish. To cast off restraint. Uh, to become undisciplined. Uh, well, I'll read it to you. The um, NS, uh, NASB, the New American Standard, says the people are unrestrained. The people are unrestrained. God's Word translation is perhaps my favorite. It says where there is no prophetic vision, people run wild. Where there is no prophetic vision, people run wild. Amen? So it's important that our church receive prophetic vision from God so that we as a congregation don't run wild all over the place. Amen? But it's important for your own calling. You have a calling on your life. You have a destiny from God. You're not an accident. He formed you. He knew you. And He's preordained and prepared a path that you should walk that path. Amen? And that you should arrive at a certain uh, destination. Uh, praise God. Where is that uh, notebook? I think that was Denise and Scott who gave me that as a gift. Anyway, uh, I like this. I think this is a New Living Translation of uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. We're not turning there. It's on the front of this. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope, and a future. Everyone say a future. You could easily call that a vision. Other translations say to bring you to an expected end. So before you ever got here, before the foundations of this earth were created, God saw you. He purposed you. He, you're part of His plan. And every day is written in His book. Now we're not living that script every day. But we could if we're interested. But he saw the beginning of your life. He saw what he had planned for your life. And he saw that you one day will get to the end of that on, in your earthly life. You have an expected end. And God knows what that end is. You're supposed to know some things about it too. How are you and I going to arrive at God's expected end if we don't know anything about it? We're not going to just arrive because God's God. You know, you're not in the will of God just because you're alive. A lot of people think that. God's in control of everything. I'm just a puppet on a string and this is God's will. I hope it's not. I said, I hope it's not. Amen. God's not behind the bad stuff. Not, you know, this says he's got a good plan. He's got a good plan. A plan not to harm us, but to prosper us. Amen. To give us a hope and a future. And without knowledge of that hope, of that future, you run wild in your life. You have no boundaries. You have no borders. You're like in a car with no road. Amen. And you're never going to end up where God wants you to end up if you don't gain a vision, if you don't have a vision, if you don't have some prophetic insight, amen, into the future for your life. 
You need a vision. That's what I'm saying. You need a vision for your life. Amen. Here's some statements I came across in study that I liked. Uh, Vision will either give you a life or a death sentence. Amen. You get the right vision. It's going to keep you alive. You've got a reason to get up. You got a reason to keep going. Amen. You're not just wandering through life. You're not just trying to get to Friday. I feel bad for people trying to get to a certain day of the week. Because that only lasts for about 24 hours. And then you got to start all over again trying to get to the end of that week. God is bigger than that. Life is bigger than that. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And uh, so uh, if you do not have a vision, it will be death to you. People die for lack of vision. That's what it says. Without vision, people perish. Amen. Vision will keep you alive and advancing. Not having one will cause you to waste away and die early. Vision has to do with what you're going to make happen. What are you trying to make happen? Oh, no, that's a problem. Amen. I know what I'm trying to make happen. Amen. Did I lose? I lost my. Okay. Praise God. Oh, there I am. (laughs) So vision has to do with what you're going to make happen. What you and God are doing together. Here's something Brother Jesse Duplantis said. Uh, I was listening to him a little bit and I liked what he said. He said, I don't focus on the past. Can't do anything about it. I don't think too much about the present. I'm already there. I deal and live with my future. I like that. Amen. You can't do anything about the past. Let that go. You're already in your present. Handle it. Amen. But what you really need to be on is your future. Vision has to do with your future. So I didn't finish that whole quote. I want to do it. He said, I don't focus on the past. It's past. I don't focus on my present. I'm already there. I focus on what I want. Now, what did you come in focused on tonight? I focus on what I want, he says. I focus on where I'm going. Amen. Praise God. Here's something else that Brother Jesse DePlanis said. You must listen to the still small voice of God rather than the large loud voices of the multitude. There will always be people around you to tell you what you can't do. I'm going to say that again. He says, you need to listen to the still, small voice of God rather than the large, loud voice of the multitude. There will always be people around you telling you what you can't do. Amen. You know, for a believer who believes and therefore nothing is impossible unto them. The Bible says with God, nothing is impossible. But the Bible also says nothing shall be impossible to them that believe. If someone tells us something can't be done, we ought to take that as a mission statement. Oh, yes, it can be done. Yes, it can be done. I can get on the other side of this. I will get to the peak of this mountain. This will change in my life. I will get to that place that God showed me in my life. My marriage will be better. My my husband, my, my, my wife, they will turn around. They will serve God. Amen. I heard someone say today, uh, 
people magnify people's problems, but there is no sin and no problem bigger than the promises of God. Amen. We have the promises of God. And if we'll mix our faith with those promises of God, there's nothing that can't change. There's no circumstance that cannot be changed. Amen. As it relates to us. You know, we've been talking about faith, haven't we? And uh, one thing that your faith needs desperately is a vision. Faith gives substance to things hoped for. You could easily say it this way. Faith gives substance to vision. Faith gives substance to vision. So without a vision, your faith has nothing to do. It's standing in the spiritual unemployment line. Sitting there idle, ready to move mountains, able to move mountains, able, right? You need to think of your faith like a hand. Your faith is a hand and it can reach into the unseen realm where God lives and lay hold, right? You remember 1 Timothy 6, 12 says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold. Faith will lay hold. So faith is a hand that will reach into the unseen realm of God and lay hold, amen, and pull that thing into reality. But you need to think of your vision as the object that your faith is reaching for, amen? So without a goal, without a dream, without an assignment, without a vision, your faith has nothing to lay hold of, nothing to give substance to. It is so vitally important that you live with a vision, by a vision, that you have a vision, and that that vision is not your own, but it's a God-breathed vision. It's a God-ordained dream. Because I want God involved with me in every area of my life. The Bible says in, I think it's Psalms 127, that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. So you can, and many do, they labor, labor, labor at building something, building a life, building a this, building a business, building that. Problem is, God never told them to do that. And the Bible calls that vain labor. You may get something built, but God calls it vain labor. Unless the Lord builds your life, unless the Lord builds your ministry, unless the Lord builds your business, amen, you labor in vain. I'm not interested in vain labor. If I'm going to labor, I want it to mean something. So you got to get God involved. What does he want for your life? Amen. If you live without vision, and by that, like I said, I mean you're living without divine prophetic insight about what he has for your future, you will fall short in life. You will fall way short of what God had in mind for you. And I, I'm not into that. I, I am not, I am committed. If God has something for me, I want it. God has something for me to do, I'm going to do it. God has some blessing he wants me to receive, I'm going to receive it. I may get criticized for it, I already have a little bit, but I don't, I don't care, I'm going to get it. I love some of the people that I listen to, that's why I listen to them. You know, and they, their attitude is, I was listening to Dr. Savell. Uh, in my truck the other day, and he said, listen, this is my attitude. If God didn't want me to have a certain thing, he should not have written it in the book where I could find it. But if I find it in the book, I'm like a bulldog on a bone. I, I'm going to get it. 
And I love that. That's my attitude too. I'm not going to be denied. That's greed. And it's not greed. It's being smart. Amen. Amen. Why would you want less than what God has made available? Why would you want that? I don't get that. Amen. Praise God. So without a vision, you will fall short. You will not arrive at your God-ordained expected end unless you get some insight from Him about what that end looks like. You won't know everything, but you ought to be able to... He wants to reveal enough to you to excite you, (laughs) to motivate you, and to give you enough direction so that you can head out in the right direction. I don't, I'm not going to spend 2024 going the wrong direction. So I'm beginning to turn my heart and talk to God now about what 2020, what 2024 is going to hold for me. Is there anything that I need to change up? Anything that I've been doing that I need to stop doing? Anything I'm not doing I need to start doing? I'm just trying to help you. Amen. Every single one of you should have a God-given, God-inspired vision for your life. So notice again in this verse, where there is no vision, the people perish. The people perish. Uh, That word perish in the Webster's 1828 dictionary means to, to it's the loss of well-being. means the loss of well-being. It it means uh, to waste away. It means to wander away. It it means to lose. Amen. I I don't want any of that to describe my life to any degree. Amen. Everybody's got to make up their own decision. Amen. You know, one of the greatest gifts and is the ability that God has given to the human species, if I could describe us like that. He has given us the unique ability to imagine, to project ourselves into the future. That you and I, I don't think a dog has this capacity to sit there and lay there on the front porch and, you know, pant his tongue and envision, if I keep going this doggy direction, here's how it's going to end up for me. I just don't think that they're smart, but they're not that smart. You and I have the ability. You can look down the road that you're on right now and project yourself out to the end of that road and know in advance, if you stay this direction, are you going to like where you end up? If you're saving money at the rate you're currently saving right now, are you going to like where you're going to end up? Oh, Jesus. Amen. I'm just talking about in every area. If you keep eating the way you're eating, you can, you can, you can get on the road of, just stand on the road of diet and the way you're currently eating and get down there about 20 years. Or do you like where that's going to take you? Amen. But with God in a partnership with God and with the Holy Spirit, we have a supernatural ability to look into the future years out ahead and see something about our end. Amen? Now, this is a God trait, seeing the end, knowing the end. That's a God trait. Amen? How many of you know that God sees? God sees. 
How many of you know God knows? He knows what tomorrow holds for me. He's already there. He, he exists outside of time. One of the things we see about God, why don't you go to this verse? Let's go to Isaiah 46. Getting any help? I trust before we leave tonight, you'll feel like you got some help. Glory to God. Isaiah 46. <clears throat> and we'll look at verse 9 and 10. And so here God says through the prophet Isaiah, Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is none else. I am God and there's none like me. Look at this. Declaring the end from the beginning. The only God could do that. God declares the end from the beginning. So see, he, 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 the way God does it is he saw where, like mankind and the creation of earth and, and the human family and the human race and his family, he saw the end of it and then began. God doesn't begin anything until he finishes first. God finishes, he knows the end, and then he begins. Well, yeah, he's God. Listen. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.1 that we are to be imitators of God as dear children. Stephen Covey wrote a book called uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Amen. And one of the first, it's either the first or the second habit is begin with the end in mind. People who are effective, people who are successful, people who are future uh, uh, they are fruitful rather, they begin something having already envisioned the end. Amen. They're not just willy-nilly starting something hoping it turns out good. No, they have already seen the end. They've seen it. They've envisioned it. They've decided they liked it and that they wanted that end. Then they began. Praise God. That's how vision works. Amen. Go with me now to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's, let's run a few scriptures here. And these next few verses we'll look at quickly will reveal to us or remind us at least that God has committed himself to show us everything we need to know about the future. What a gift, right? What an advantage we have as children of God. You know, one of the signs of, uh, that someone is really maturing spiritually is that as they develop, less and less in life shocks them, takes them by surprise. Why? Because they are cultivating a fellowship with Jesus that is so intimate that he's bringing them in on things before they happen. Brother Hagin would say this. He said, no one, since I've been spirit-filled, you know, no one in my immediate or even some, to some degree extended family has died except I knew about it two years in advance. And people would say, well, yeah, did that happen because you're a prophet? He said, no, that didn't, I didn't enter the prophet's ministry until decades later. He said, God does that for me because I pray a lot in the Holy Ghost. 
He said, I pray a lot in the Holy Ghost. Amen? You know, we should not be taken by surprise of global events. So, many of what, so much of what we're living today is in the Word. It's in the Word. Amen? And, uh, you know, uh, other, other ways that Brother Hagin is an example that God kept him ahead of things. Anytime there was coming a recession to, an, to America, he would know it. God would tell him. For instance, in one time he said, there's a recession, not a depression coming, but a recession. Get ready for it. And then he didn't. He didn't do anything about it. And he, God told, tried to tell him again. He even sent an angel into a camper one time that he was sleeping in, tried to get it, but he didn't. He didn't do anything. He didn't pay attention. And so God said, all right. He, he told him later on, yeah, I just let you suffer. I saw you weren't going to listen. I tried to get your attention. So he said, I just suffered for over a year in my ministry. I went in the hole $100 a month. That was a lot back then, every year for a year. And I tried to talk to the Lord about it, and he wouldn't talk to me. And finally, after a year of time out, God said, yeah, I let you suffer through that year because you didn't pay attention to me. Amen. See, a lot of times we suffer what we wouldn't have to suffer because we didn't have enough of a fellowship with him to get ahead of some things that he wanted us to be ahead of, and now we're behind. Help me, help me, Father. I'm preaching to myself. And uh, so the Lord turned that around for him. Well, then years later, he uh, was now, you had Raymond, the school, and a lot of employees and largeness of ministry, and the Lord came and told him again, there's a recession, not a depression coming, but a recession, get ready for it. Well, this time he paid attention. And he said, uh, what do I do, Father? He said, well, immediately you take 10% of all that comes in, you set that aside. And then he said, I want you to lay off a, a certain percentage of your workforce. And he said, if you'll do these two things, uh, you won't be affected negatively like many other ministries and churches will. Well, does God want the other ministries and churches to suffer? No, but see, they're not paying attention. They're not positioned in such a way to hear from God like that. Well, he did it, amen, and they, weren't, they were not affected by the recession. Look in Ephesians chapter 1. Here's a prayer that you could pray for yourself every day, every day, amen. It begins in verse number uh, 16, Ephesians 1. It says, cease not, Paul said, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, and revelation, revealing in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And this is a phrase that just gets me. That you might know. That you might know. That you might know. Well, you just never can know what God's going to do. That's not what this says. That you might know. That you might know. See, you're supposed to know. I'm supposed to know. See, he wants to give us in this season the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation from the Holy Spirit, and he will enlighten the eyes of our heart, enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Amen. So that we might know. So that we might know, not not know, live our life wondering and guessing and beating our head against the wall, trial and error, mostly error, never advancing, falling into pits and snares and traps and difficulties that God's trying to steer everybody around. Amen. 
So I pray this for you often and I pray it for myself. Oh, Father God, thank you for giving unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let the eyes of my understanding be enlightened that I might know. Now, look at what it says that you might know what? That you might know what? Well, it says that you might know what is the hope. That's the vision. Hope is the future. The hope of your what? The hope of his calling. His calling. His calling for your life. See, he wants you to know. The vision, the hope, the future. You with me? Just write this reference down. But in John chapter 16, verse number 13, Jesus said that when he, the Holy Spirit, the comforter is come, he will not speak of his own, but he will take of that which is mine of Jesus and he will uh, reveal it to us. Right? It says, uh, if I've got this right, it says that when the Spirit of God comes, He will guide us into all truth. He will show us things to come. You know, part of the reason why Jesus left was so the Holy Spirit could come and indwell you and live in you so that you wouldn't be by yourself. The Holy Ghost wants to be to you and to me what Jesus was physically to Peter and John and the disciples. We're not alone. We have a guide. And he wants to show us things to come. He's not talking to preachers. He's not talking about people who are heads of ministries. Amen. He will show us, we who have received him, things to come. You need to be expecting the Holy Ghost to show you things to come. 2024 is things to come. 2025 is things to come. Amen. Amen. And we don't have to be taken aback or shocked or upended or undone or destroyed because we don't know what's coming. We don't know what to do. We ought to be ahead of things. Amen. You know, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't God know that layoffs might be coming to the company? Wouldn't God, if you, you, what if you're in your prayer time, you're just, everything's going wonderful, and then all of a sudden you get this little bit of an unction on the inside. Polish up your resume. Why would you, where's that come from? I must have had too much pizza. Everything's going great. I love my job. He's trying to help you. He's trying to make you ready. Amen? So much of getting where God wants us to be has to do with being in the right place at the right time, in front of the right people. And if we don't hear from him, if he's not able to lead us and guide us, we're going to miss those opportunities. And then we struggle and wonder why God's not blessing us. I'm a tither, you know, but we're not letting him lead us. We're not letting him guide us, but we need to. And God wants us to have a vision. Amen. Uh, just again, another reference, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. That refrigerator scripture, verse 9, eye hasn't seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has for man, right? And then people stop right there, put that on the refrigerator and go, oh, see, there you go. We can, you just never can know what God wants to do. But the 10th verse, the very next word says, but, but. He has revealed them to us by His Spirit. See, God wants to be revealing things to you by His Spirit. But you got to want that, and you got to know how to tap into that flow, amen, and begin to expect those things to come to pass in your life. 
Amen. Write this one down too. Isaiah 42, 9. It's a great scripture. Isaiah 42, 9. Here God says through the prophet Isaiah, Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So the things that God wants to do in our life, He doesn't want to just bang surprise us. He says, behold, new things do I declare. New things uh, am I going to do in your life. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Hallelujah. See, we can trust Him. Let me give you an example. Mentioning elections and presidents and changing of power, don't, don't get uppity on me about that kind of stuff, right? I, I knew just from observation and experience that a president that was no doubt going to go away from the policies of the Trump administration, that the Biden administration policy is going to be high regulation, high tax, high this, a lot of spending, new projects, green energy. And I knew what that would likely mean for the economy. Well, during this time, the election had happened. We're going through all that as, you know, who's going to be president, blah, blah, blah. And, but I kind of knew Biden was going to get in. Around that time, we were uh, facing a refinance of our church uh, loan and debt. And we had not finished the office yet. And I knew I could, I have a great relationship with our banker, reach out and not just refinance the existing debt, but go ahead and get a little more to finish the office, finish the building. And we were having a board meeting. And uh, I brought that up before the board. And my, my thought was, I said, is it, is it wise, men and women, is it, is it wise knowing what likely is coming down the pipe um, to add to my debt to get this done? Not sure what the economy's going to do, or thinking what, you know which way it would go. And but I, I I had a witness in my spirit that we should do it. I had peace that it, yeah, do it. Get get the building finished, get the offices done. And we had peace about it, and the board agreed. And they were all like, "Oh, don't let that bother you." You know, that's the political system. That's God. God's going to take care of you. You know, and that's and they gave me the counsel, and we ended up doing it. And, but, but I again, not just because of what they counseled. By wise counsel, you make war. In the multitude of counselors, there's safety. But I've got the Holy Ghost in me, and I just knew my wife had peace that that was the right thing to do. So that's what we uh, asked for. That's, and that the bank not only granted us the money, uh, they, uh, um, they did something unheard of in the commercial real estate, in the commercial lending realm. Instead of giving us, making us come back every five years, that's standard to refinance. They said, we're just going to lock you in for the remainder of the time. You don't have to come back to us for 15 years. We're locking in this interest rate. Well, I knew the economy might turn, and it did. I did not know how high the interest rates would go. And, you know ministries and businesses are really in the natural suffering because they're having to refinance their existing debt at higher interest rates. Amen. 
we not only got a, the low rate back then, got the money to complete the offices, got locked in for 15 years. We don't have to come back to them. And I think our payment went up or down $100. It went down 100 bucks. And we got, yeah, a little bit of lower interest rate. The actual net monthly payment went down. Now, today, several years later, I'm like, I am so thankful that we did that. Because some ministries are looking at paying many thousands of dollars more a month just to service their existing debt because of the interest rates. But see, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost knows the future. And He's leading us today, trying to, we're in line with what He knows about tomorrow. But you need, we have to be interested we have to be interested. Amen. Amen. Oh, glory to God. I'm just, even now, thank you, Jesus, that we just don't have to deal with that. And now we're calling it paid for, paying that thing down. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So, believer, um, do not be satisfied not knowing. There are so many scriptures that promise us that we might know, that we should know, that he will reveal even the future to us. Not everything. We won't know everything, but enough to be heading the right way and to avoid things that we can avoid and to be best positioned to prosper in life. Amen. All right. Praise God. So let me, let me shift gears here for just a little bit. So this God trait is he declares the end from the beginning. You and I need to act, you, you, we need to be like this. There was a time in Jackson Street, that's where our old building was. I was in my office just praying along and God broke in on me and gave me a vision. I didn't see anything, but he gave me the assignment. I want you to relocate your ministry and get in, build a building and get in position for a last day move of my spirit. Well, see, that's my vision. And for... 12 years, 15 years, even after we moved in, it wasn't done for several years. That was the dominant daily assignment on my life and on this church. But listen, how important is the vision? Well, if you walked through that with us, if you were with us from Jackson Street to here, you know the power and the importance of having a vision. See, when you have a vision from God, that thing will hold you steady. It will anchor you in troubled times. When you're walking through the fire, when it is hard, when things don't look good, when it looks like they're going the exact wrong way, but you have a vision, a vision from God, you know He spoke to you, and you just know it anchors you, it disciplines you, it motivates you, it holds you steady, and that's, that's the, only, the, reason, the only reason we're here is because we had a vision. We were not confused. We knew what God said. And we had a vision and we set out and, and here it is. Amen. Well, God wants you to have a vision for your life. Amen. 
so that when you entered, when you enter into storms and when things get rough and things get tough and things get tight and things are going the wrong way, you're anchored. You're not moved. You know your head. You're not thinking about uh, going here, going there, doing this, doing that. Why? Because you know where you're going. You saw the end. See, we. We dreamed about the end. We designed the building. God said, you just design it after your heart. He didn't have a lot to say about the building. He just said, you, do, you and your wife design it uh, as it is in your heart. And so we did that. Amen with the architect. But see, thank God, for years and years and years, all we had was the unseen image yes. of the finished product in our hearts, in our mind, on, on a roll of paper that cost $110,000. Amen, that's what they charged us to engineer and write it down. Amen. But see, that anchor, it kept us moving the right way. Your ministry, I know, come on, you, you get this, you do this every year, but you that have businesses, you that have families, you need to have a vision for your marriage. You need to have a vision for your finances. You need to have a vision for your health. Amen. Glory to God. You need to have a vision for the call of God on your life. How about the vision? What do you want to do for God in Christian service next year? Amen. Amen. What's your vision for the supply you want to bring or that God wants you to bring to the local church? What's your vision for evangelistic efforts in bringing people to Jesus outside the church? You need a vision. A vision, like I said, will keep you focused. Amen. It will keep you motivated. And it will give you a reason to be disciplined. Amen. And the lack of this vision operating is why so many Christians, they live distracted. They live like nomads. They just get up and kind of go, what's today about? They don't, how are you going to end up? You don't know where you're going. What's the definition of being lost? You know, when my wife, we were, you know, those very rare few occasions where she looks over at me and goes, we're lost, aren't we? What's that mean? What does she mean? I don't know where I'm going. That's the definition of lost. Now, true Christians, they're not lost in the sense that they love Jesus and they're going to heaven. But they live lost. They don't know where they're going. You need to know where you're going. Well, pastor, will you give me a vision? Well, I'll give you a vision for the church family that you're to hook on to. But there's no shortcuts with this, guys and gals. If you want the vision, you've got to talk to God. You've got to get it from the one who gives it. And it's not up to me to give you a vision, a dream, a goal. But you need one. Amen? You know, uh, let me encourage you, if you have a real vision from God, if you will believe that vision, if you will pursue that vision and not quit, it will never not come to pass. It will always come. Take it from me. It will always come to pass. Listen, every time we come out with a new project, that's a vision. That's a vision. And though the, some have come rapidly to pass, some came slowly to pass, but everything we have put before this congregation has come to pass. Everything. And it will continue to come to pass. Amen.
And you need to activate this in your own life. So let me close here uh, by giving you some things. Number one, you need to take whatever time you need to take. Make whatever sacrifices you need to make to get in the presence of God and stay there long enough. Amen. And that won't mean just one prayer time, but go back to him again and just talk to him again. And, but just don't be content not knowing what you're doing in 2024, where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be involved with, what you're supposed to be laying your hand to, what you're supposed to be believing God for. Amen. If you get up with a vision for nothing, you're going to lie down on your bed having done nothing. Having accomplished nothing. That's a sad way to live. So let me give you four quick things that you're supposed to do with your vision once you get it. Okay, number one, write it. When you get something from God, write it down. You don't have to turn there, but sometime you should turn there and read this. I'm reading this from the God's Word translation. It's Habakkuk, little Old Testament book, chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, and I'm reading it from the God's Word translation. It says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain or clear on tablets. Or we would say, paper, we have tablets today, don't we? So that anyone can read it quickly. The vision will still happen at the appointed time. It hurries toward its goal. It will not be a lie. If it is delayed, wait for it. It will certainly happen. It won't be late. Amen? And sometimes it may not be that you've heard something specific in English from God, but you have something in your heart. You have something in your heart. And the reason that is in your heart is because God put it there. He put that desire for a business in your heart. He put that desire for a sweet family in your heart. He put that desire uh, to do something for him in ministry in your heart. Amen? And that's your vision. That's part of your vision. And though it may seem slow in coming, though it may seem delayed in coming, the Bible assures us, God assures us, that vision is not a lie. It will not prove out to be a lie. You know, people were staying away from our church in droves during that time we were building because it looked like we were losing. And nobody wants to be on a losing team. I'd be in town, and they'd ask me who I was, and they, they, they had been driving by here and seen the tumbleweeds and the foundation, the exposed foundation sitting there for a year, and they said, oh, you're that guy. We wondered what that was. We thought that place was abandoned. And we were just kind of the mock and the scoff of, of people that knew uh, and appreciate you guys staying with, with us all that time and enduring all that. Amen. But do you know what? The vision did not prove to be a lie. God brought it to pass. He brought it, he brought it seven years to the month. Seven is the number of completion. It is the number of perfection. It is God's favorite number. I wished he would have done it in seven days. But he chose to do it in seven years. Because there was a work in me to be done. There was a work in her to be done. A work in our leaders to be done. And thank God for that work. 
And now this building stands as a testimony, not of what a group of people have done, but what God did. It is a living, uh, existing testimony out here on Highway 60 of the power and the importance of a heavenly vision from God. We wrote that vision. You need to write down your goals. Write it down. Do you know that even just leadership gurus have done studies and research on this? And they'll say just the fact of writing a goal down increases its chances of coming to pass by 70%. Just writing it down. Just I, my, I buy a new car. Just writing it down increases the chances of it coming to pass by 70%. Listen, if you don't care enough about your dream to write it down, you don't care. God said write it. And there's power behind it. Put it on your mirror. We did all kinds of stuff to keep the vision in front of us, to keep the vision in front of the people. You need to write. That's why every year we do write the vision. And we're getting around that time again. Amen? So that's the first thing you need to do is you need to write it. Number two, you need to declare it. Remember what God said? He said, I am God, there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. So see, he knew the end and he declared it. You need to have a vision of where you're going and then you need to speak that. You need to, if your vision is to lose 20 pounds, that I'm losing 20 pounds, those fat cells are scared of me, they are melting off my body, I am disciplined, I have a good metabolism, I can lose weight, I'm headed that way, I'm fit and trim and slim in Jesus' name. And I mean, you need to declare it. Right? Amen. You need to, if your goal is to, is to pay off debt, bless God, those debts are doomed. God is smiting my debt. There's an anointing on me to prosper. I, I call, I'm disciplined. I'm following the plan. I'm sowing seed. I'm, I'm not spending my money frivolously. Those debts, I call those bills paid in full. Listen, this is how Amber and I live. I'm not trying to keep you unduly here. Amen. But you know, God dealt with me. I actually brought it up to God. He never brought it up. He's waiting on me to bring it up. I said, Father, I'm ready to pay this. I'm tired of paying this farm payment every month. I got, I got plenty of things I could do with that money. He said, you paid off three months. Paid off three months? Three months. I had like a year and a half? What? We had a lot left. He said, yeah, you paid off three months. I'll help you. So we just divided. The, we got the payoff. We divided that by three. Oh, shazam. That was our vision. That was our goal. Amen. And I had it written down. I had a little scrap piece of paper and I wrote that down the date and I saw the balance and then I would just start checking that off as money started going that way. But I was speaking. I was looking at that land. I was declaring the vision, calling it done. Instead of three months, we did it in two and a half. God brought it to pass. See, but notice nothing happened. God was doing nothing. Nothing was moving. Nothing was happening towards the payoff of that farm until I caught a vision for it. I set a goal. We determined a dream. God got on it and supernatural things took place. Many of you, if I gave you time, I'm not. Amen. But you could get up and talk about things you wrote down at the beginning of the year and they came to pass. Amen? So write it, number one. Declare it, number two. The third thing that you must do with your vision is you must commit to it. 
You must commit to it. God needs soldiers who will follow orders. God needs sons and daughters who love Him and are committed to walking out His mission, His assignment. You know, God cannot give great assignments to uncommitted people and quitters. God's not going to give you anything significant relevant to His plan for the kingdom if you're a quitter. God can't use quitters. And maybe you're not a quitter, but you deal with a lack of commitment and discipline in your life. Amen? See, I got up from that place of prayer knowing what to do and what God wanted. And listen, I thought in my mind this was going to be just glorious. This is going to be wonderful. This is going to be... And it was that. And it was, it was hard. And it was difficult. And it was long. Did I say it was difficult? And it was pressure packed. And it was no fun, most of it. But I tell you what, a glorious day it was to have our first service, to move in. A glorious day it was back in the offices to finally see the last of the last bit of the building complete. Amen. Glorious day when a vision comes to pass. But when God gives you a vision, you have to commit yourself to it. No matter how long it takes, no matter what it costs, this is what God said, this is what God wants, and I'm for what God says, and I'm for what God wants, and this is what I'm doing. I had times I wanted to quit. I tried to quit. My wife wouldn't let me. God wouldn't let me. I turned in my resume a couple of times to God over that building. And you know what the sense I had from God pretty strong was? There's nothing, son, to do but build it or die. Because I have something more for you to do, but it all comes after you build it. There's nothing, nothing, nothing but build the building. There is build it or just die and come home to heaven. Well, okay, so you've got to be, he's committed. You know, you just, you just take people that uh, have, They've got a dream to play in the NBA. Well, they're committed. You're not going to get there if you're not committed. They're going to they're win a medal in the, in the Olympics. You, you, you know, if you, yeah, we were doing a counseling training thing. God brought up this illustration. He said, well, how, how's your Olympic training going? Well, I'm trying. I know I should eat better, but I'm, I ate a donut this morning. You're, see, you're, not, you're never going to make it. You're doomed. He's, I love the phrase he gave us. He said, some people are trying when they ought to be training. Amen. Trying will never get you anywhere. Training means doing something that doesn't feel good, doing it right, doing it over and over and over again. So that's the number three thing you have to do uh, if you're going to be a success. You've got to commit to that vision. How many people said, I'm going to get out of debt? And the next thing they know, they're, racking up, they're opening up a new Best Buy card. Because they saw something they had to have. You see, you're not committed. And nothing's going to change until you get committed. I talk about weight. You know, Dad, Dad Dufresne, said, you want to get a holy hush, all you got to do is talk about someone's kids, talk about money, or talk about their weight. And you just get a holy hush. But I know in my own life... Uh, Nothing ever really changed with my diet and health until I really got committed. 
I finally took a whole year, no soda, no exceptions. No one, you know, no Dr. Pepper. First year in like 40, 45, whatever it was, that I'd not had any of that. Well, it never changed until I got committed. And there's some goals I have now, but those goals will never be met unless I decide to be committed. I'm going to have to turn down Miss Jennifer's treats and Miss Karen's treats and everybody's treats and Miss Nikki's treats and everybody's treats if I'm going to be where I need to be. So y'all stop bringing me that stuff, all right? <laughs> Amen. Number four. I'm almost done. Number four. Your vision must be acted on. You must pursue the vision. You must put action behind it. Writing it down is great. Declaring it's great. Being committed is necessary and great. But once you, you've got to get up every day and say, what can I do today to get closer, to advance, to, to pursue that? And then you set out to do it. Amen. You, you may realize you, you want a $1,000 chunk to pay off a credit card. But listen, $5 is $5. And it may not be exciting to put $5 on a $1,000 debt. But now you only owe $995. And if you're not willing to do that, you're, you're probably never going to get there waiting for your big pie-in-the-sky thing to come to pass. President Biden to write off all your debt. Hey, if he offers it, take it. They print enough money, you might as well get yours. But I wouldn't be putting my faith on that. It's the little things. You have to give action. That business is not going to birth itself. God is not going to just, you know, he's gave, he gave you the vision. He's going to help you. That ministry is not going to build itself. Those souls aren't going to come in on their own. Right? It's work. But there's nothing like the work of pursuing a heavenly vision. But it gets rid of all this idleness and laziness and I don't know what I'm living for and what is life all about. See, that's not what we're called to do. So when you get a vision, you're supposed to do what? You're supposed to write it. You're supposed to declare it. You're supposed to commit to it. And you're supposed to pursue it every day. Every major area of your life deserves... A written vision. I heard Jesse DePlanis say, I am 10 years ahead of where I am today. Always, I live my life 10 years ahead. In all my business dealings, my financial dealings, my ministry, everything about my life, I've already got it spelled out. I know where, I'm, I, know where I want it to look like 10 years from now, and I'm heading that direction. Amen. Well, I hope that helped you tonight. Amen. And, and getting this stuff is not hard. What is in your heart? What, what needs to happen? But just invite God to get in on it. Let him speak to it. Amen. Y'all still out there? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up. Glory to God. How about we, uh, we end this way by, I'll pray a prayer. Would you agree with me? For the church. So much. When I moved here in 2001, so much of what God talked to me about has already come to pass. So there's fresh vision, new vision that needs to be furthered and given. And you just, I'm going to pray you all agree that God's going to make that known. Amen. 
Father God, we thank you for the vision for our lives, for our families, and all that is pertaining to us. But we're part of this church family. And collectively, though it's my privilege and responsibility to go up on the mountaintop and receive the vision from you, Father, we're all called to it. We're all responsible for it. Father, in these weeks to come, we pray and agree that all that we need to know, all that Pastor Chris and Pastor Amber need to know about 2024, about new assignments, new projects, new endeavors, uh, goals, dreams, things that you want done, that we're going to hear you about that. We're agreeing tonight that you're going to make it known. You're going to reveal it to us. Well, we pray for, uh, for the leadership of this church that, Father God, that you're going to give us, we ask you in the name of Jesus, give us all the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened that we might know, that we all might know what we need to know to be moving in perfect harmony in the direction that you have for us that would one day bring us to that wonderful expected end, the end that you declared about our life from the beginning. We agree we're going to hit the nail on the head. We're not going to miss it. And that, Father God, that 2024 is going to be an amazing year. 2024 will be a wonderful year. We we just say it by faith. 2024 will be the best year yet. Glory to God. It'll be our most fruitful year, our most joy-filled year, the year that our lives carry the greatest and strongest anointing. Praise God. And that we'll see you do more for us and more through us in 2024 than in all the years so far. Father, I thank you for these precious ones that you've joined with my wife and I to run to run a race, to pursue a heavenly vision. I'm excited, Father God, about all that a TV ministry, as we're ever inching closer to the different media outlets that we're going to use to get the Word of God in front of new people. So excited about it. So excited about all the continued discipleship and meetings and different things. I can't wait for 2024 to get here. So, Father, we just agree that all the knowledge, all the wisdom that we need, it will be given to us as pastors, but it's going to be given to us individually in all the different areas that are important to us. And we thank you for it, Father. We thank you in advance for leading us and guiding us and giving us a heavenly vision. Bless us as we go home tonight. I know I'm not going to ask you to be with us because I know you are, but thank you that the angels guard, defend, and escort us safely home. Cause us to be blessed and productive tomorrow in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, Amen, everybody. Well, God bless you. God bless you who've watched online. You guys uh, go and have a great night.